This is The Guardian. Today, it's one of the UK's most important nuclear sites. So why does one former UK minister call Sellafield a bottomless pit of hell, money and despair? Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com ACAST. The first time I saw Sellafield was when I was driving south from Carlisle. And you take a road towards the coast and you drive along these little pastures with cows and haystacks. Uh, It was a sunny day and I remember the grass was emerald green and you could see the sea sort of winking away in the distance. And then suddenly you come to a gate, a security gate. And it's as if it's the entrance to the rabbit hole in Alice's Adventures in Wonderland because you pass through the gate and you just come into an entirely different world altogether. Sellafield is a nuclear facility on the Cumbrian coast. Facility makes it sound like it's just a couple of buildings, but that's way off. Sellafield is six square kilometres. It's more like its own small town. It has roughly a thousand buildings. It has roads. It has its own rail siding on which cargo trains come in and out and drop things off or pick things up. Samantha Subramanian is a writer. He visited the site last year for The Guardian. It's impossible to walk easily from one end of it to the other because you're constantly coming up against barriers for security and protection. And so you get into these cars and you drive around and sometimes you lose track of where you are, especially if you're new to the site, as I was. Every day, the 11,000 people that comprise Sellafield's workforce cross a barrier into what's sometimes called a nuclear Narnia, a place with its own dedicated armed police, its own laundry service for washing contaminated clothes, and even stray cats nicknamed Atomic Kittens. Salafield has its own soundtrack. In some facilities, there's sort of a confidence alarm, something that just ticks and beeps. And it may sound alarming as you go in there and hear it for the first time, but the fact that it's ticking or beeping is actually evidence that everything is okay. The minute that stops or the minute that changes, that's when you know that things are going wrong. There's something unique about Sellafield that makes it not an ordinary nuclear site like the power plants you see in lots of countries. It's not a power plant. 
It doesn't generate materials for weapons. What it is, is a dumping ground, a massive international one for one of the most dangerous elements that exists. One of the things my guides at Sellafield didn't tell me was where exactly they stored the 140 tons of plutonium that Sellafield has purified over the last half century. It's the largest such stockpile of plutonium in the world. To put it into perspective, if you think about how much plutonium you need for a nuclear weapon, that's between 5 and 10 kilograms. This is 140 tons of civil plutonium. A year-long Guardian investigation into Sellafield has found evidence of a leak from a huge silo of radioactive waste, that Sellafield has been hacked by cyber groups closely linked to foreign governments, and the toxic culture among staff that could put safety at risk. From The Guardian, I'm Michael Safi. Today in Focus, the nuclear leaks taking us inside Sellafield. While the whole world ponders the mighty power of the atom, Britain scientists are probing its secrets to aid the peaceful pursuits of mankind. Sellafield was built at a particular time in the world, the beginning of an entirely new era. Sellafield's history dates back to just after the Second World War. Like most other nations around the world, the UK wanted its own nuclear weapons program. And so it set up these facilities at Sellafield to produce plutonium for nuclear weapons. At the time, the site was called Windscale, and there were two reactors to generate plutonium for nukes. Plutonium generation stopped to some extent for weapons at any rate, and the first civilian nuclear power plant in the UK came up. It was called Calder Hall, and that would generate electricity. It is with pride that I now open Calder Hall, Britain's first atomic power station. In 1957, just a year after Sellafield was opened, it experienced what was then Europe's worst nuclear accident, a record it would hold for 30 years until Chernobyl. A tonne of fuel caught fire inside one of the original reactors. The fuel melted. It sent this huge plume of radioactive particles out through one of its chimneys. And there was a lot of obfuscation. Uh, There was no transparency about the kind of accident that took place. Uh, Workers weren't really advised to stay indoors. Residents weren't advised to stay indoors. It took workers three days to figure out how to stop the fire. They worried one mistake could trigger an explosion. The authority have said that staff are now reducing the temperature of the pile with water. At the moment, a northeast wind is blowing across the windscale factory and is taking any radioactive dust or vapour out to sea. But the radioactive material hadn't been blown to sea. A member of staff wrote a letter to The Guardian, complaining the public had not been properly warned about this fire. It soon became clear. Contrary to what authorities said, there was a risk to the surrounding area. Milk, for example, was found to be radioactive, to contain samples of radioactive iodine, ten times as much as they should have. Emergency at Windscale Atom Plant. And the milk from 200 square miles of farmland is condemned as radioactive. 
So these samples of milk made the government buy up milk from farmers living, I don't know, 500 square kilometers around Sellafield and dumped it into the Irish Sea. Experts believe the danger is already past, but until they're quite sure, the ban stays. With atoms, you can't be too careful. Sellafield had to seal off the reactor in which the melted fuel still sits today. And there's still a lot of debate about the kinds of health effects, the adverse health effects it caused on the residents in the area. Though it had come so close to disaster, Sellafield kept expanding, not just producing materials for atomic weapons or generating nuclear power, but now storing nuclear waste from other sites across the UK, Japan and France. And the idea with this reprocessing was to squeeze out any remaining uranium and plutonium in these rods so that they could then be repurposed to be used again in nuclear power plants. Over the decades, there were occasional high-profile protests. But trainload by trainload, toxic waste kept arriving from around the world to this remote corner of northwest England. Over the years, between 1956 and the 2000s, Sellafield took in approximately 60,000 tonnes of spent fuel, which is more than half of all such fuel reprocessed anywhere in the world. By early this century, Sellafield entered its current and final phase, cleaning itself up. The materials stored there will be toxic for hundreds, if not thousands of years. But the problem is, the concrete and steel shielding that material from the world isn't going to last that long. And many of the original structures on the site weren't built with decommissioning in mind, so it's going to take a long time. The decommissioning of Sellafield is expected to stretch well into the 22nd century, which means that some of the grandchildren of the 11,000 people working on site may still not see the end of this task. But even that timescale is kind of dwarfed by the timescale at which radioactivity itself operates. Essentially takes 11,000 people working day in and day out to make sure that Sellafield doesn't end in some kind of disaster. So Alex and I have been investigating these stories, these issues for a long time now. Anna Isaac is The Guardian's city editor, and Alex Lawson is a business correspondent. They've spent the past year investigating Sellafield. And I think it's fair to say that some of the things we found out have been so surprising and so important that we've almost had to take a step back on occasion and go, God, is that for real? And Alex, one of the major areas you've been looking at are the safety conditions at Sellafield. So tell me what you've learned. What we found was quite shocking. There's numerous problems, not just with the safety around the radioactive material, but conventional safety as well, whether it's fire safety, issues with asbestos, issues with shortages of staff who are suitably qualified to, to handle the most delicate of operations on the site. But the real focus was these storage ponds with radioactive waste. But what we've uncovered is cracks in certain of the most dangerous 
of the facilities and ongoing leaks which could be here for decades to come. Okay, so tell me about these storage ponds. What are they and why aren't they doing what they're meant to do? So the simple answer to that is these storage ponds, B30 or Dirty 30 as it's commonly known, and MSSS, which is the Magnus Swarf Storage Silo, they were built as not quite afterthoughts, but they were built in the wake of different kinds of nuclear activity. And they were used as rubbish bins, big buckets filled with offcuts of radioactive material. And then they were topped up with water to try and cool down that material. And then they were essentially left. If you imagine it's these open air ponds that are exposed to the elements and you can see the degradation of the building, you can see that it's crumbling, you can see seagulls have landed in its ponds, which just cannot be right for the wildlife around what is a very dangerous site. This is the facility that's charged with holding on to and keeping safe some of the most hazardous nuclear waste in Europe. And it's just open to the elements? Yeah, that's the way it was built. And there is now new facilities being built specifically to take the sludge and toxic waste from that part of the site to another area to keep it safe. So it is it is identified as one of the most hazardous places on the entire site and with good reason. Okay, so that's one of the storage facilities, B30, that has cracks in it, it's causing concern, but that's not all you learned about. So tell me about the building called MSSS. It contains several silos, think of them like buckets with a lid on top of nuclear material covered in water that has slowly disintegrated into solids and sludge and liquid. That liquid's now radioactive, of course, because it's been exposed to the radioactive material. And some of that liquid is escaping via cracks. But whilst that sounds very shocking, I think another element that is particularly shocking about it is because some of these silos go below ground level and because they've got extra casing around them to try and stop them leaking they don't even know where the cracks are so they're having to estimate how serious this is simply by measuring the outflow from the cracks and this is pretty astonishing this site is is leaking radioactive sludge into the earth around it how long have people known about this So the liquid has escaped on various occasions. So going as far back as the 1970s, there was a leak at that time. That was resolved. But this new leak, which has caused a lot of alarm, both at the regulator and at the Sellafield site, was first reported by Sellafield to its regulators in 2019. And since that time, the flow rate of the leaks has got worse, seems to have stabilised about 2.3 cubic metres a day now. And that liquid is going down into the ground. And at the moment, they're trying to estimate the impact from that liquid in terms of the radioactivity it spreads to the wider environment. So they're looking at the radioactivity that you would find in shellfish. They're also looking at the broader environment in terms of modelling what the potential impact to the public could be. And at the moment, there's no suggestion that there's been any exposure to radiation for anyone living around Sellafield. But what would that look like? What does radiation do to people? So radiation exposure is incredibly serious. It's 
also an area where scientists are still debating what a safe level of radiation exposure might look like. What is clear is when there is serious radiation exposure, the health implications are very severe and they can range, depending on the dosage, from things like nausea and vomiting to long-term effects like cardiovascular disease, cataracts, cancer, particularly for those with high doses. And then ultimately, if you've got an incredibly high dose all in one go, it can be lethal. So there's a real spectrum of the kinds of impacts that radiation exposure can have. This is all a little bit mind-blowing. What has Sellafield said about your reporting on these apparent safety breaches? A Sellafield spokesman told us that they are proud of their safety record at Sellafield and are always striving to improve. They said the nature of the site means that until they complete their mission, the highest hazard facilities will always pose a risk. Um, But they continually measure and report on nuclear, radiological and conventional safety. And employees are empowered to raise issues and challenge when things aren't right. And they also said that any incidents, including those highlighted by The Guardian, are reported to their regulator, published on their website and shared for scrutiny in public meetings. And we know that this site contains more radioactive material than Chernobyl. So is there much international concern about the kinds of things that that you've discovered? So there was a report more than 20 years ago now prepared for the European Parliament in which it was estimated that a disaster at the Sellafield site could be far worse than Chernobyl, which exposed around 5 million people to radiation fallout. Now, there are question marks over whether or not the same set of circumstances would arrive. It was a very specific set of issues that led to the accident at the Chernobyl site. But there's no question that the the level of safety concern because of the sheer volume of radioactive material at the Sellafield site is very great indeed. We also know Chernobyl affected a lot of the surrounding countries. Have the countries surrounding the UK said anything about Sellafield? It's been a matter of public record that the Irish government has been very concerned about the impact of discharges from the site, be it chemicals, be it radiation. Likewise with the Norwegians, when you look at Sellafield's geography, you can see its closeness to Scandinavia. And Norwegians have been very fearful of the impacts of any accident at the Sellafield site for for many decades now. And A senior Norwegian diplomat told The Guardian that they believed Oslo should offer to help fund the site so that it can be run more safely rather than, in their view, something so dangerous being run on a shoestring budget and without transparency. So, Anna... The discovery of radioactive liquid leaking into the ground around Sellafield, incredibly, is just one of the things you've discovered. So take me to the next part of this. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, alongside the physical safety of the site, one has to remember that it's got sensitive information there about its activities. And The Guardian understands that there were several cybersecurity issues at Sellafield dating back at least as far as 2012, one of which is a hack by cyber groups closely linked to Russia and China. The authorities aren't entirely clear 
on all the detail here. So they don't know exactly when the IT systems were first compromised. But sources say that breaches were first detected as far back as 2015. Um, that's when experts realised that so-called sleeper malwares is a kind of software that can lurk unseen in computer networks and be used to spy on systems or attack systems had been embedded in Sellafield's computer networks. I mean, that is pretty incredible. Like, do we know what systems inside Sellafield were compromised? The Guardian understands that it's highly likely that um, these hackers would have got through to some of the highest levels of confidential material at the site. Wow. Um, so, so that sort of strikes to the heart of some of the areas that are meant to be the most secure. Have they managed to get rid of this malware that we think hackers installed in the system? It's still not clear whether or not malware might still be on um, the systems at this time. But one of the important things about this site is because of its significance, it has a duty to report any um, cyber incidents to its regulator, the Office for Nuclear Regulation. And that's one of the key things about the historical legacy here is that for at least a decade, the ONR and Sellafield have been aware of significant shortfalls in its cybersecurity capabilities. So because the problem of insecure servers at Sellafield was considered so bad, so troubling, it was nicknamed Voldemort after the well-known Harry Potter villain. Wow. Yeah, according to um, a government official who's been familiar with some of the regulatory work going on around the site. And obviously, you know, the whole point of the Voldemort name is the sense that he who must not be named. So that gives you an indication of how people were feeling about the problem. And the sources have been clear that the sensitivity of the data was such that it could be potentially exploited by Britain's enemies. And, you know, a government official has, has summed up the situation of, of the server network as fundamentally insecure. And so you said that this incident, shocking as it is, was just one example of what seems to be a culture of lax cybersecurity at this site. Last year, BBC One broadcast an episode of Country File, it's sort of genteel nature series. Yeah. The crew from the BBC were invited onto the site for a piece on sort of rural communities and, and the nuclear industry. And in that broadcast, clearly visible were the login details and passwords for a secure IT system, uh, which should not have been broadcast. That's unbelievable. The password was broadcast on national television. Yep. And uh, it's highly embarrassing for Sellafield, of course, and um, it, it just looks sloppy. So when you went to Sellafield and, and put to them everything you had learned, what did they say? They told us that they take cybersecurity extremely seriously. They also said that their servers have multiple layers of protection. And they added that critical networks which enable them to operate safely are isolated from their general IT network, meaning an attack on their IT system could not penetrate these. They also told us that over the past 10 years, they've tried to evolve to meet the challenges of the modern world, including having a greater focus on cybersecurity. And they did note that they're working closely with their regulator and that a result of the progress they've made they have agreed a route to step down from significantly enhanced regulation. Coming up, toxic waste and, as it turns out, a toxic culture. Hold up. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Today in Focus is supported by BetterHelp. Here's a question. If you had an extra hour in your day, what would you do with it? Watch TV? Read a book? Meet up with a friend? Maybe a little nap? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. But for what? Perhaps to best answer that, you need to work out what's truly important to you, then make that a priority. Therapy can help you work out what's most important to you. It isn't just for those who've unfortunately experienced trauma in their lives. Therapy can be helpful for learning positive coping skills and for setting boundaries. It can empower you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash todayinfocus today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash today in focus. Anna, Alex, you've been telling us about how the very structures built to protect Sellafield's stores of plutonium are leaking and crumbling. The site has been hacked by foreign agents, but that isn't everything. You've also found an issue with the workplace culture inside Sellafield. Tell me about that. So over the course of our reporting, what's developed is a real picture of what's been described to us as a toxic workplace on the site. Issues with bullying, sexual harassment and drug taking that people argue could bleed over into safety problems at the site, which is obviously clearly very hazardous. So when you say a toxic culture, what do you mean? We've found a number of very disturbing cases of treatment of people at Sellafield. Um, in one case, uh, a former worker there who joined when they were young uh, said he was bullied to the point where he just wanted to die and said mm -hmm. he was repeatedly mocked by colleagues over his sexual experience. In other cases, people have talked about experiencing or witnessing incidences of sexual assault and shockingly so bad is the problem with drugs there that apparently people regularly bring cocaine onto the site and because there are random drug testing regimes at Sellafield samples of untainted urine are apparently kept on site to allow people to pass drugs tests should they be asked to do one uh, when they've got cocaine in their system or any other drug. Another worrying element that keeps coming up is the role of the HR department in all this. It's been accused by multiple sources of taking an approach described as bully break bribe. Mm. So 
attempting to effectively break down them and their what they're saying about the company and then offering them some form of payoff. When I worked at Sellafield, I was brought in to help them identify problems in their culture and also put in solutions to address it. We spoke to a whistleblower, a former consultant at the site called Alison McDermott, and Alex and I interviewed her and um, she gave an account of her experience. I was really shocked by what I found because the scale of the problems and the challenges was something that I'd never seen before in any organisation. And obviously the context here is that this is a nuclear site regarded as the most dangerous nuclear site in Western Europe because of the quantity of plutonium and uranium that's stored there. The gravity of the bullying and harassment and the abuse employees were being subjected to was was just really shocking and off the scale. And there clearly was an endemic problem with bullying and harassment at Sellafield. What is it about the place that has given rise to a culture like this? I think you have to remember the context of where we're talking about in the country to answer that. It can feel quite isolated, according to people we've spoken to who work there and live around the area in Cumbria, uh, which has a suicide rate which is 50% higher than the rest of England. Sellafield's also a major employer in the region, in what's called the nuclear coast, it stretches down from Sellafield down to BAE Systems, which build nuclear submarines at, at Barrow and Furness, are major employers. And that really bleeds out into the culture in the uh, towns and villages around it. There are workers on the site who are three generations from the same family working for Sellafield. Now, that puts people in a very difficult position if they do want to raise concerns because they know that the employment of, you know, perhaps their parents or their child might be affected by what they say. You know, employees said to me that because it wasn't safe to speak out, that they had learned just to keep their heads down and look away just to survive. But a survival mentality is not what you want at a nuclear plant because even one mistake, just one mistake, can set off a chain of reactions which could have catastrophic consequences, as we've seen with Chernobyl. It's also an organisation where there's lots of people who are resistant to change. In fact, there's a term that's widely used to describe a hardcore of long-standing Sellafield employees. It's called Weebies, and it's short for we be here when you be gone. It really sort of shows that resistance to changing what is obviously a difficult culture amongst the 11,000 people who work there. Sellafield is in dire need of reform if the public are to be kept safe. And it's also equally clear to me that the leaders who have created this mess, presided over this mess, and covered up this mess, cannot be the ones to fix it. I mean, this workplace culture you describe must be really terrible for some of the people who work at Sellafield. But what I wonder is, does it have any impact on their ability to keep this place safe, especially in light of what you've told us about these cyber attacks and then the leaking radioactive waste? So one of the most important things to understand that we've learned through the course of our investigation by looking at some of the 
some of the academic studies, some of the sort of lessons learned studies that surround um, nuclear accidents and disasters is that you can't necessarily separate out culture, which people might consider to be a sort of a soft thing from the hard thing, the, 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 what people immediately are struck with as the most important thing about the safety and security on site. And that's in part because of the level to which people feel able to draw attention to issues as they as they uncover them. Do the people feel confident about that? Um, and so consistently, as we spoke to sources, they said culture was an issue that could put the site's safety at risk. And there's a report uh, dated 2020, and it's from the regulator for Sellafield, the Office for Nuclear Regulation, which you're probably bored of hearing about, but has such an important role in this country. And it argues that... The role of organisational culture in maintaining nuclear safety is well established. Reports of investigation into notable events such as the Three Mile Island, Chernobyl, Davis Bess and Fukushima incidents provide compelling evidence of the importance of establishing an effective nuclear safety culture. So that is the expert view and that's something that's really been borne out through the course of our reporting. And so how has the government responded to all of these incredible things that you've discovered? So the government offered a response prior to publication and that sort of laid out their expectations for Sellafield. You know, they said that they expect the highest standards of safety and security as former nuclear sites are dismantled and that the regulator is clear public safety is not compromised at Sellafield. They said that many of the issues raised are historical and that the regulator has for some time been working with Sellafield to ensure necessary improvements are implemented. And they added that they expected regular updates on that progress. They also said that they had zero tolerance of bullying, harassment and offensive behaviour in the workplace. And they expected any allegations uh, to be investigated and to meet with robust action. So what do you reckon it would take for the government to get on top of these things? I think one of the lessons we've learned is that the issue of nuclear waste is here to stay. There is no world in which we don't have a problem like Sellafield in the UK because of the legacy of the energy waste and the um, nuclear weaponry waste that has evolved in the UK for more than 70 years. So one has to bear that in mind. There is no broom that can wipe this clean. Um, There is also a wider debate about the energy mix we need in the future with renewable energy. But what I think we've learned and what I think the ongoing questions are going to be is how do you manage our nuclear legacy in a safe fashion. And that's something that Alex and I are paying very close attention to going forward. Yeah, because I mean, given the time span we're talking about, this is not going to be a Rishi Sunak problem or maybe next year a Keir Starmer problem. This is going to potentially take centuries of British governments to fix. That's right. Uh, I think the current idea is that Sellafield will run until uh, the sort of 2130s. God. But these things are incredibly movable when it comes to nuclear. We only need to look at the timeline for the Geological Disposal Facility, or GDF as it's known. It's a kind of massive subterranean cavern uh, which will be built essentially just to encase this waste deep underground and then 
you can effectively leave it there for thousands of years. Uh, but it's an incredibly costly project. The idea is that it could cost as much as £53 billion. And you also have to have a community that's willing to host it. Uh, so over the next three years, the idea is to speak to those communities, uh, some around Sellafield and some on the opposite coast near Mablethorpe, and convince them that this is where we might store our nuclear waste. Um, so it's a, it's a centuries-long project, and we're just in the foothills of it. Alex, Anna, thank you for your work. Thank for you. having us. On the issue of workplace culture, a Sellafield spokesperson said, quote, there is no place for bullying and harassment at Sellafield. We do not tolerate it, and where we find it, we take action. If anyone has information related to employee misconduct, we urge them to come forward so we can investigate. We regularly seek the views of our workforce, and it was a survey in 2018 that brought focus to concerns about bullying and harassment. They went on, we confronted the issue, proactively shared information with employees, and developed a company-wide improvement program. This work is continuing and we remain as committed as ever to eradicating unacceptable behaviour from our workplace. Since 2018, we've implemented a number of improvements, including increased resources for mediation, counselling and our confidential employee assistance line. We also have a wide range of employee-led networks which provide peer support and advocate for change and improvements. Sellafield declined to comment on Alison McDermott's case. It's previously said that her claims are, quote, entirely without substance, and noted that an appeal against the findings of her employment tribunal upheld its original ruling. An ONR spokesperson said, quote, Sellafield is the most intensely regulated nuclear site in Britain, and we undertake several hundred inspections and engagements every year. They went on, we found no evidence that cultural issues have resulted in unsafe activities on the site. However, we are not complacent and will continue to scrutinise Sellafield closely to ensure that safety and security remain their highest priorities and are not compromised by any factors, including internal culture and behaviours. Prior to publication, Sellafield and the ONR declined to answer a number of specific questions or say if Sellafield networks had been compromised by groups linked to Russia and China. Following publication, they said they had no records to suggest Sellafield's networks had been successfully attacked by state actors in the way The Guardian described. Sellafield have chosen to publish a range of public responses to The Guardian's reports on gov.uk following the publication of our articles. These were not shared with The Guardian ahead of publication. You can read them in full at gov.uk forward slash government forward slash organisations forward slash Sellafield dash LTD. You can find Anna Isaacs and Alex Lawson's full reporting at theguardian.com. Just search for nuclear leaks. You can also find Samantha Subramanian's long read there. It's brilliant. It's called Dismantling Sellafield, the epic task of shutting down a nuclear site. And that is it for today. This episode was produced by Tom Glasser. Sound design was by Solomon King. The executive producer was Elizabeth Casson. And we're back with you on Monday. This is The Guardian. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. 
Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.